0: Welcome to Retail Intel, the podcast where we dive deep into the dynamic world of commercial real estate. I'm your host, Brian Sheehan, and I'm thrilled to be your guide on this journey through the bustling streets of retail, the aisles of shopping centers, and the world of commercial property investment. With me today, I have Jake Redesky from Modern Animal. Jake is Modern Animal's senior real estate manager and has held a number of different roles in commercial real estate brokerage throughout his career I'm excited to learn more Jake welcome thank you thanks for having me absolutely I was excited you to accept the invitation and of course. Of course to learn more about modern animal I guess first before we go there wanted to hear about your background I love to help one to learn about you know how people got into commercial real estate and hear about yeah. your journey and then how you got to modern animals so
1: yeah no, of course I uh, went to UCLA and I was a uh, I was a history major And I always thought I wanted to be an attorney and I was like, well, you know, with history, you're going to really learn how to read and write critical thinking. And, you know, it's kind of made sense. I was also just, I loved history and I was like, let's, let's just do that. And then kind of talked to a few lawyers when I was down the road in college, I think like my junior senior year and quickly figured out that was probably not the route I wanted to go down. But at that point, you know, it was a little late and didn't really know how to pivot and Sort of started talking to like everyone I knew and parents of friends, and just trying to figure out and find my own way and talk to enough people who were in commercial real estate and really didn't know anything about it going in. But you know, it's kind of the beauty of our industry. It's you just got to really, at its core, just be able to talk to people and be able to find your way. And finally, was able to land a internship my senior year as a as a mortgage broker, somewhere on the finance side and I learned a lot. This was your senior year yeah. in college? Yeah, senior year at UCLA. And so I was like working part-time, going to school full-time. I was on the rugby team. I was in a fraternity. I was just all over the place. And I loved it. And uh, really learned a lot in that internship, but mostly figured out that, you know, maybe finance wasn't really the route I wanted to go down, but I really loved commercial real estate. found it really interesting and it's kind of cliche, but like it was just tangible and I could understand it and that helped as opposed to talking about stocks and bonds and, you know, anything else. And then, you know, I was like, okay, I can actually, I get this. So through that internship, then you know, leverage that into getting my foot in the door at CBRE. And after like, I was up to like 15 interviews with CBRE, just kind of getting passed from person to person and just casual coffee conversations, interviews, Finally, found a really, really strong team and some great mentors uh, in the South Bay, where I'm from. And they were retail leasing brokers, and they didn't really care about my lack of knowledge in that space. They just said, "Hey, you know, you're a smart guy. You can work hard." They really showed me the ropes, and I was only at CB for felt like a cup of coffee. I think it was like six or seven months, and we split off and found our own boutique firm called Beta in the South Bay. I was there for about four years, focused primarily on tenant rep, but then doing also a lot of landlord rep. Really enjoyed that, but really loved working with tenants. Just thought it was fascinating, different strategies and the operations of it all. Really just wanted to kind of double click on that, and learn more. And one of the brands I was working with was Modern Animal. Got in tight with their C suite. You know, really loved the VP who had just joined them. You know, by the time I picked up that account on the tenant rep side, and. Which is kind of like why I just love the idea. I grew up in suburban LA, but it felt like I was living on a farm. We had four dogs, we had cats, we had turtles, we had rabbits. I was just a huge animal lover, and it was just kind of like, why is no one else doing this? I mean, this is so smart. And just overall, love the concept, love the brand, and it was just a mutual feeling. And they brought me over, and that was about a little over eighteen months ago. And it's been a, it's been a great journey since then. So that's my journey from being a lost history major to now being this pretty niche role that, you know, I really
0: love. It sounds like it. And it's, you know, this industry is so interesting and fascinating in so many different ways, but one of them is everyone's diverse background. Nobody's done the same thing. So hearing you talk about being a history major and then, you know, this journey that's gotten you here is really, you hear that a lot, it seems. And somehow that history background, I'm sure is good training for what you're doing now. But yeah, I used to say,
1: you know, cause people would ask me, Oh, you're a history major. And, you know, I was like, well, you gotta be good at telling the story, you know, if you're selling a property or you're pitching a tenant you gotta tell the story. And that's where the history part of it comes in. And you know, I don't know if that's true or not, but people ate it up. So there
0: you go. That's yeah. interesting. Well, so that's a perfect segue then too into modern animal a lot of our listeners won't be familiar with the brand, but Tell me more about Modern Animal. Yeah,
1: so Modern Animal, we are really the next generation of the veterinary experience. We're a general practice veterinary group at our core, but from our physical brick and mortar clinics to the technology behind it, we're really making you know, pet care more human for veterinary professionals and pet owners alike. We are you know, very mission-driven, very tech-focused, and overall, it's just recognizing that the veterinarian space or the veterinary medicine space is just antiquated and ready for change. So yeah, how so? If you think about the veterinary medicine world, the vet industry, it's it's been around a long time. It's an essential service. It's very resilient business. And because of that resiliency, it's really hasn't had much innovation. The tech isn't really there. And there's a lot of nuances, even with like scheduling and flexibility with, you know, its employees. It's just no one's really taken a hard look at that it's because, again, it's resilient. And it's just sort of a it's an essential service. It hasn't really changed much over time. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, we opened our first clinic in April of 2020. So right when the pandemic hit. Good timing. An, an unforeseen consequence of that was through the pandemic, pet ownership, skyrocketed. And 66% of all U.S. households now have a pet, and I think that's even higher with millennials. And I'm one of those people. I got a Golden Retriever during COVID, Ruby, a lover. And uh, there's a lot of people like me who are now looking for a better experience in the veterinary world.
0: And how's Modern Animal different? I mean, I know there's a lot of innovations going on at Modern Animal, but what are some of the things that stand out? If I was familiar, I've got my local vet care provider, what am I going to notice immediately when I walk into a modern animal that's different?
1: Yeah, it's a it's a competitive space, and there's a few ways I can answer that. But, you know, the veterinary world has seen, again, virtually zero innovation up to this point, and so it's kind of a low bar, uh, so to speak, but you know, we've really built... Modern animal from scratch uh, with our care team as well as customers in mind. If you step into one of our clinics, it's pretty easy to see. You know, right off the bat, you can tell why we're different. They're beautiful, really well designed, first class build out. There's a big emphasis on transparency. Most of them you can walk in and see all the way to the back from the lobby. Whereas in comparison, a lot of vet clinics, it's just kind of you see the host, they take your dog in the back and they bring them out however long later with a big vet bill and you can't stay with them. But with us, you know, you can actually go into the exam rooms with your dog and be a part of the process. So it's just a big part of the experience that you know we're really focused on. And with that experience, we have a friendly host who will offer you a Croix or a cold brew when you walk in. And yeah, every step of the process for us is really fully integrated with tech, so on the back of house that we've developed in-house and is proprietary to us. But more on the customer-facing side, we have an app. Uh, You can do all your scheduling, you can see your medical records, you can access a personalized care plan. We can also have access to 24-7 virtual care. If you wake up in the middle of the night and your dog ate something it shouldn't have or in some, some sort of distress. Uh, you can hop on the app and you'll get connected in real time with an actual professional and you know i've used it before as a dog owner and it's it's really just the peace of mind and we have international members who will never set foot in a modern animal but they just want the peace of mind of having virtual care just a few clicks away on their phone, and I spoke to this earlier potentially, but we aren't a consolidator, so we aren't a private equity-driven company that's rolling up existing clinics, slashing overhead, and just overall creating a working environment that can be detrimental to the people who work in those who work in the clinics again, and the animals, I guess too, right? And the animals, yeah. So again, our founder, you know, Stephen Eidelman he came from a unique background of having experience in tech as well as the pet space, sold his first company to Mars, spent time with them in their vet med vertical. And again, he recognized how antiquated the space is and saw the mental health crisis that's really plaguing the veterinary industry right now. Veterinarians have the highest suicide rate of any occupation. It's typically veterinarians and dentists, typically one and two, which is incredibly sad. And... You know, if you know a veterinarian, you know, you know that they are the most noble people that you've ever met. All they want is to be able to provide care to animals. And that's probably been their dream since they were five years old. Um, but they graduate school after four years with a ton of debt. You know, They're underpaid. There's just a lot of blockers in the clinic that prevent them from delivering the care that they, that they want to deliver. And, uh, You know, that, again, has been pretty exacerbated by private equity consolidation, um, just because when they get their hands on something, it's about squeezing revenue and cutting costs. And that's, again, often at
0: the detriment of those in the clinic. That's fascinating. So many things that I want to dive into more there. But I guess going back, hearing you describe the experience and the model, it's so much more omni, I guess, than I would have imagined. Yeah. A lot of the things, you know, maybe don't sound totally
1: novel and groundbreaking that we're doing, but the reality is is that a lot of the legacy groups that have been in the vet med space for forever, they're not doing any of these things. And it's just, again, because it's a resilient business, they just have not had a need to innovate. But the world's changing and so are consumer habits and, you know, we're here to, to meet that.
0: Sounds like you know so much about the inner workings of you know vet care clinic. You clearly have a passion for animals. And one of the, I guess, questions I have is, and it has to do with. So I'm picturing my vet care provider, kind of a mom and pop, you know, quote unquote, local clinic there's not a lot of the other offerings that you're talking about that come with you know being a modern animal customer you call them customers or members members membership Membership driven yeah yeah and what's the membership model
1: so in LA the membership is 199 a year and with that membership there's no exam fees so the average exam fee in LA is probably 80 to 90 dollars per exam so you bring your dog in twice, pretty much pays for itself. But then again, with that membership, you get access to our app, which has yeah, all no the No brainers.
0: Yeah. Yeah. How many members? Oh, man. We are, I think we're north of
1: 25,000 now across the entire company. It's probably more than That's probably an outdated number. But yeah, we just opened our 16th clinic. So yeah, I mean, it, it's growing every day.
0: And they're all corporate? Yes. Locations? Yeah, 100% corporate. Is franchising a... Uh part of the it's, future no it's not on
1: the horizon okay um, our ultimate goal is to is to go public so you know we're really focused on this corporate growth is our goal for when you guys want to go public there is you know I, I think it might be a little bit of a moving target but yeah i mean I, we have some we have a few years ahead of us before that how big is the typical clinic? I would say our size range right now is 2,800 to 4,000 square feet, sweet spot really being about 3,500.
0: That's where you really want to be? It's 3,500 if yeah. you can find it?
1: Yeah. That's our. That's probably our most efficient layout uh, for our programming. I mean, we, we
0: fit exam rooms, a surgery suite, a dental
1: suite, pharmacy, doctor's offices, a treatment floor, lobby. We have a quiet room, which is kind of sad, but you know, it's, a, it's a room for if you, know, you can get up and your dog down. It's completely soundproofed. It's in the back, so you can kind of leave out the back door. So you don't have to walk back to the clinic, but you know, it's just another one of these sort of subtle but, you know, what I think is a thoughtful design aspect that just differentiates us.
0: Yeah, I've had to do that. That was one of the toughest things I've ever oh, yeah. gone through and so the attention to detail having that, you know, I guess option should you ever need it I think yeah that's that's really important so 16 clinics open now what's the growth plan how many are you going to open this year next year yeah so we
1: tripled our clinic count this year we started the year wow. with six we're going to end the year with 18. congratulations um, that's great yeah thank you yeah it's been really exciting and then for 2024 we have 12 ahead of us in 2024 and that includes our first locations in Denver, Atlanta, Phoenix, and Houston and then 12 more in 2025. So
0: about 12 per year. Denver, Atlanta, Phoenix, and Houston. Yeah, and we opened growing where the growth is. Yeah, no, we love these growth
1: markets. Just young people moving there, they have dogs or cats and you know they get there and they Google where should I take my animal, you know, best uh, you
0: know, veterinary group in X market and we hope to pop up is number one. So, Over five years, how many are, you know, five years down the road, how many are going to be open? You know, if we do 12 per year, we'll be at probably 70 and 80 by then. Okay. 12 per year. Focus markets are going to be a lot of those same areas. Where else would you be looking for... Yeah, so I mean, very
1: active across California, whether it's the Bay Area, still doing deals in LA, Orange County, San Diego, in Texas. We just opened Austin and Dallas this year, like I said, Houston next year, and then signed leases in Atlanta, Denver, Phoenix. Uh, But sort of at this stage in our growth, you know, nothing is really off the table. We're kicking tires on pretty much every major MSA across the country.
0: Who are you looking for to be around? Who do you like co-tenancy-wise? We don't have like necessarily specific
1: co tenancy profile, but we really have an affinity for Trader Joe's. Again, that just seems to be where a lot of the a lot of the millennials go and I think there's just a lot of cross pollination there. But beyond that, you know, we like to be other near other daily needs operators, aspirational brands. You know, we co-tenant with a few Warby Parkers, sweet greens. uh, Buff City Soap, you know, we was open next to and it seems like they're doing really well. And so, you know, as long as it's really daily needs driven um, and accessible, the
0: rooftops that are around us, you know, works for us. Having a lot of success finding those locations where you want to be? Yeah, it looks like there's a lot of opportunity out there for... It definitely depends on the market. You know, some of
1: these high growth markets like, again, Phoenix and Denver and... You know, Atlanta, we're looking, we've been looking at Nashville recently. Those are tight markets. I mean, there's just a lot of brands that would love to be there, but the development is not really caught up yet. So it's tight. You know, I think Phoenix just hit like all time low availability rate, three point something. So it's a little bit of a needle in a haystack in some
0: of these growth markets, but. You know, we're, uh, we're finding success. We were talking before we started, you're on the road a lot, you're touring markets. What are some of the things you look for physically at a property? You show up to a center, kind of what do you want to see there? What are some things that jump out at you? Yeah. Well,
1: luckily we're pretty agnostic to the type of detail. We'll do ground floor mixed use. We'll do grocery anchored. We'll do single tenant power centers. At the end of the day, it's just, it's really all about convenience I always tell landlords and brokers, you know, you have to imagine you have a 150 pound dog that's sick or injured and you got to get it from your car to our, store, to our storefront as seamlessly as possible. So some of those retail real estate fundamentals really hold true for us, you know, parking access. We really try to stay away from subterranean parking or you have to take an elevator or it's just a long customer journey that you'll find in, you know, some lifestyle centers uh, it's just really about convenience at the end of the day. And I think from a physical standpoint,
0: that's the biggest thing for us. Out, green space, you need to be near a park or you need to have access, right? At, not necessarily. It's a, it's a nice to have, not a need to have. Okay. Yeah. How about your build out? You know, is there anything unique to it in terms of electrical, additional, HVAC
1: needed? There are some intricacies there. To keep it simple, we use a a DOAS unit as our HVAC system. So it's pumping in fresh outdoor air, uh, which kind of goes into some mitigation efforts related to specifically odor. And then for electrical, we require 400 amps, which we're able to find most of the time. You're not having to upgrade? those or work with the landlord to upgrade those we've had to do a few upgrades we used to require 600 amps that was that was pretty challenging but you know again it's part of our site selection and we're looking at costs and budgets plays a big factor and i think in some markets it takes like Six or seven months to get a new panel, so it's all things you have to consider when you're looking at a new site.
0: Yeah, get it. I would think getting it down to 400 amps is a big win. It was huge, yeah. Upgraded like water line, use a lot more water than maybe the typical, not necessarily. I think we can usually work for with like an inch or inch and a half, but we don't run into that too often. Are there any particular, you know, demos, socioeconomic? You need to be near schools, families. What's the yeah. So profile. Probably,
1: yeah, so I always like to say, you know, our customers probably between the ages of 25 and 40, they probably work in tech or something probably white collar, you know, They eat lunch at sweet green, they wear Warby Parker sunglasses, probably drive like a Tesla model three. They probably rent or our first time home buyer think about, you know, you're pretty far along in your mortgage and you have two kids and you're pretty established. Finding a new vet is pretty, is probably pretty low on your to-do list. So, you know, we like to skew a little bit more towards renters. And yeah, at the end of the day, you know, density and age are probably the two biggest for us. We like dense trade areas. Again, skew younger, high percentage of renters. And, you know, we like millennials and just because they're used to using their phone to do things. And they're more comfortable with pulling up an app to schedule their dog's veterinary appointment, whereas other generations are used to calling. And it's just sort of... In line with with who we are.
0: Yeah, I mean, that all makes sense. The sweet green Tesla Model 3, Brenner, first time home buyer, that makes perfect sense when you lay it out that way. Mm -hmm. I guess going back to what you're looking for, it sounds like you don't have to have an end cap. You could take an inline space, depending on the real estate. Yeah, again, we're pretty agnostic, and even sometimes we prefer inline. Again, just about
1: convenience and being near convenient parking. You guys
0: had any issues with exclusives, use restrictions, other things that have kind of popped up when you're looking for real estate? Not too much. I mean,
1: the Pet smarts and Petcos of the world will probably exclude us. That hasn't limited too many opportunities. One I ran into pretty recently was, you know, we've gone into a few other, you know, co-tenants with CBS or Walgreens or Rite Aid and they have a pharmacy exclusive. But it doesn't carve out its human pharmacy, and we have a animal pharmacy. We've had to get a few waivers on that, which is obviously never an issue because we're not really competing with them. But that's just one of those nuances. It that, sounds
0: like you've been able to get those waivers. Yeah,
1: we're we have a we're batting one hundred percent on that. Congratulations. Uh, yeah, but yeah, just another one of those nuances that you know comes with our use.
0: So, any other nuances like that? I might not be thinking of when it comes to the real estate or.
1: No, I mean, landlords Landlords usually see us as a pretty desirable use. You know, I think the more sophisticated landlords really see us as an amenity. They were an essential service and daily needs at our core. So not only are we destinational, we're going to drive a lot of reoccurring traffic to your center. If you're a mixed-use developer with a few hundred units filled with millennials, most of them are going to have pets and we're there for them. And, you know, sometimes when a landlord hears we're a vet, you know, they kind of turn their nose. But... At the end of the day, we're a first-class operation. Who's really never had a complaint about noise or odor. And usually when they walk into one of our clinics, they realize that we're different. And then on top of that, we're really not parking intensive. We're probably seeing only four or five patients at a time. Yeah, I and mean, lastly, again, as I said before, but vet clinics are resilient. You know, they're a stable tenant. They're going to stick around and we're going to pay the rent. So. Do right, you guys need dedicated parking? It's nice to have. Certainly, we ask for it. It Kind of just depends on the site, you know, if we think it's really necessary or not. If it's a really tight parking field, we'll probably push for it. But a lot of these markets where kind of a sea of parking and a grocery anchored center and the positioning is just right, you know, we can probably get away without
0: it. Well, Jake, it was great speaking with you today. Thank you for joining me on Retail Intel. It's fun to learn about Modern Animal and Be on the lookout for new modern animal locations near you. That's right. Be sure to check them out on Instagram. I believe it's at Modern Modern, Animal. That's right. Have a great social media game. And, you know, whether you're an aspiring real estate mogul, a seasoned pro, or simply curious about the places where we shop, dine and work, this podcast is your all access pass to the world of commercial real estate. Connect with me on LinkedIn, and if you're interested in being a part of Retail Intel, send us a message at nationalaccounts at phillipsedison.com. If you want to hear more about new and expanding brands, keep tuning in to Retail Intel. Talk to you next time, and be sure to subscribe, follow, like, and repost.